I'm Leah Simone Bowen, the host of Podcast Playlist on CBC. We're a podcast discovery show, and we love a great story. So each week, we highlight the podcast we think you should check out. The show is a classic. Love how they select their topics. It's great. And from time to time, we're joined by some of the biggest names in podcasting. My name is Jamie Loftus. John Green. I'm Michael Hobbs. My name is Nicole Byer, and I have a podcast recommendation. You can find Podcast Playlist on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So you're having a big family dinner and as soon as the meal is done, you shove the dining room table into the corner, you move the chairs out of the way, and the entire family has a giant dance party. When Carly Rae Jepsen was growing up, she thought everyone else's family did this too. Normal. And if you think about it, it's not surprising that she grew up and made a career out of turning pretty much any occasion into a dance party. She tells Tom Power about dancing, dating apps, and getting comfortable with loneliness. Plus, Bells Larson is a singer, and when he started transitioning, he was scared about what a change in hormones would do to his voice. He'll tell you what it's been like to hear himself sound more like himself. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. That's Carly Rae Jepsen with a new song called Shy Boy. Of course, she is one of the biggest pop stars to come out of Canada. You probably recognize her name from that big smash hit, Call Me Maybe. She has managed to do what very few people with a big smash hit like that get to do. She's turned it into a career of continued artistic growth. You'll hear her talk to Tom Power about that. Uh, But what you're hearing right now is the first single from her new album, which comes out on July 28th. It's called The Loveliest Time. It's a companion piece to Carly Rae Jepsen's album from last year, The Loneliest Time. That time, of course, being COVID, when she wasn't performing and she was separated from her family. Tom Power talked to Carly Rae Jepsen in studio last fall when The Loneliest Time came out. Here's their conversation. Um, Carly, I'm, it's, it's so nice to see you. Uh, Lovely to see I you. I love the record. Oh, thank you. It's an interesting record, though. I want to talk a little bit about it. It's called The Loneliest Time. Um, I can imagine that, you know, every, I feel like every single time I talk to you, you're on a tour surrounded by thousands of people all the time, and then everything kind of stops. And I'm guessing that was The Loneliest Time. Yeah, I mean, The Loneliest Time album theme was, I mean, quite on the nose, you know, about the, what COVID was like for all of us for kind of being isolated in that time. But I think loneliness itself has been a theme that I've been curious about getting into and exploring for my whole life. Loneliness is a theme that you've been curious about? Yeah, because I I think that, um, how do I say this? I think that as a touring artist, you really have to kind of figure out what your relationship with loneliness looks like and be comfortable with it. And for me, I was really scared of my loneliness for a long time. But just because you're on the road and touring and getting to be in front of, you know, stages of people at the very end of the night, you're always kind of alone in this hotel room. And that adjustment period is hard. Yeah. Right, because what you're saying is that you're not when you when you're not on the road, yeah. like someone like me who doesn't tour, yeah. I go home to the same house every night, yeah, to the same cats every night. Yeah. And I, and I have, you know, I have friends I can go see, but even though it seems like you are surrounded by people all the time, yeah. you're actually you're actually by yourself. 
But I don't think it is just um, touring artists that go through this. I think that every human being kind of battles with loneliness to a degree in their life. And it's it's a fascinating thing because it does cause these extreme reactions. I think I talk a lot about that with this album is I don't look at it. It sounds like a little bit of a downer title, I'm aware. But I think it can cause real growth and it can make you do really extreme things. Um, and I wanted to kind of have an album that got to tap in on what those extreme different reactions to loneliness looked like. And some of those are really joyful and really brave. And some of those are more introspective and serious. But um, to me, I think I love anything that causes an extreme reaction. I think love does that. And mm. I think loneliness does that as well. well uh, uh, help me understand that a little bit more. So you, you've been wanting to explore loneliness in your music for a really, really long mm-hmm. time. Why was now the moment? Um, because it was so like, illuminated and highlighted in the last couple of years. I think everything stopped. At first, even people like Jack Antonoff and I were calling each other sort of being like, I don't think we would have stopped had the world not stopped. We were just go, go, go type of what's the next tour, what's the next album, what's the next thing. So to kind of be put a pause, um, a forced pause and everything was at first a little relieving, actually, but then slightly terrifying to just be like, what do I do with this time? I was really excited to create, but the way I created changed because we weren't doing these in person, like kind of like writing weeks with different people or kind of getting to travel to the same extent. So my life really quickly, um, just like everyone's did, had to kind of adjust. And um, it was... What did that look like, that adjustment? Well, I think there were there were some cool breakthroughs in there and there were some really hard parts. I think one of the, the hardest parts, we'll start there and end on the positive, but um, one of the hard things was being away from my family while we had kind of gone through just, I mean, uh, some some grief with just losing people like family member. Um, yeah. And not being able to be there, I think was really hard. And that was like my first experience, I think of, of really kind of going through, um, you know, a, a close family member uh, being taken away from me and not being close to my mom or the, the people who would be normally surrounded in that experience. You're, you're saying that because they're, you're in LA and they're yeah. in BC and I mean, the travel you, wasn't easy then. We literally weren't allowed to get to each other during that time. So that was very hard. And I think that kind of um, experience, I, I drew a lot of um, journaling from that and, and then also some music as well. I think Ben's from the album is, is a little bit to do with one of the challenges with not being able to um, uh, totally put to words what going through an experience of losing a family member was. It kind of bleeds its way through the album. But I think some of the positives were, I mean, I got some really weird hobbies. I learned how to make some really ugly scarves. If you want one, I have many. I would love one. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, 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 you found yourself, but you found yourself doing stuff that, I mean, you've been on the treadmill for a long time. So you found uh, yourself yeah. able to do some stuff that wasn't music. I found myself doing some stuff that I never thought I would do. I also, you know, uh, briefly joined a dating app, which led to Beach House. Can you put your headphones on for a second? Just oh, I have it. headphones. Play Beach House if you don't mind, Austin. Thank you so much. I know. I really love it. I got a beach house in Malibu and I'm probably gonna hurt your feelings. Kylie Ray Jepsen in Beach House. Uh, that song, you can take your headphones off if you want. I, uh, that song blew my mind when I first heard it. <laughs> Can we talk? So you, so you're telling me you were you you had an experience on the apps. Uh-huh. I guess the 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 Tinders, the Bumbles, the Rias. 
we don't have to say which one because I think that's like an endorsement. We won't. We won't. No, name we don't it. have to do that. Yeah, it was my sister's fault. She she really talked me into it, you know. And you know, loneliness, as I said, causes extreme reactions, and some of those are to do things that you would never think you would ever do. I, I would have sworn this was not something I would try, but I tried it. How was it? It was funny. It was mostly funny, I think, but um, terrifying too. And then the the more that I talked to other friends who had been on these apps, the more hilarity that came in. Like everyone had a horror story. Everyone, some people had su- success, but um, there was a song idea in there for sure, and I, I got really excited about that. Tell me about that. So you had you, you you're on these apps. You're having you're having good experiences, bad experiences, and you think. <laughs> I'm gonna write a song that the hook is I got a beach house in Malibu and I'm probably gonna hurt your feelings. And what's the what's the line later on? I got a, a, a lake house in Canada and I'm probably gonna harvest your organs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably gonna hurt you. I got a lake house in Canada and I'm probably gonna harvest your organs. I got a little. I got a little. Yeah. That's really you know, funny. Ham with it for sure. So you have you are these and that that, in, that inspires this song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there had been like a couple, like I didn't ever actually meet up with anyone, but I had enough conversations to feel like I could see the full picture. There was maybe one or two like walking safe, distant dates that I went on. Sure. Very odd. It was an odd time for all of sure, us. But, sure. but uh, the point was, is I, I think there was um, uh, an offer basically from one person who was sort of, um, you know, had a beach house literally in Malibu, but right. also had a girlfriend. And I was like, what would, what would be in it, in this for me? Like, I don't understand. So like you have a beach house, but you're going to hurt my feelings. And I was telling my sister, cause she was, she was always the therapy at the end of these hilarious sort of interactions afterwards to call and to be like, FaceTime became a big thing with me and my family all the time. So I would be like, oh my gosh, like what's, what's, what's in it for me? I got a beach house in Malibu and I'm probably going to hurt your feelings. And I was like, <gasps> wait. And then I just ran off and she knows me well enough to be like, oh God, she's, she's doing a thing. She's writing a song again. So for a few hours yeah now. and so I, yeah and then I, I brought in Alex Hope and Nate uh, Seifert and I think at first they were like what's the concept and I'm like the concept is people who are in it to play a game not the people who are in it to find love I'm all for I'm not against dating apps actually I want to be clear about that I think that they can be a wonderful and sometimes like easiest best way to kind of meet some people that might not be in your community but I think the people who are out there just to kind of play a wicked game with you and, and play with your feelings those people need to be called out and this is what that song is for you're goddamn right it is yeah. you're goddamn right it is so can we listen can we uh, can we listen to Western Wind can we do that Austin can we put those headphones back on sure I mean you know what it sounds like but we can play for you anyway that is beautiful. Carly Rae Jepsen, my guest. Mission, right? Mission British Columbia? Mission BC. Yeah, Mission BC's own Carly Rae Jepsen from her, her new album, The Loneliest Time. That's uh, Western Wind. Tell me about writing that song. Um, that's the most um, poem-like writing lyrically that I've ever been a part of doing. Almost like freeform writing where you don't think too much about it. Um, this was uh, written with Rostam. He's one great, of my favorite yeah. voices, he actually. That piano right there. Oh, yeah. hey. Mm-hmm. I, I really, um, I think that that's actually one of the wins of the last couple of years is we've always known each other and like worked together and collabed, but I feel like our friendships really bloomed too. So, and he was a really big part of helping me figure out um, 
I think some of the more serious tones of this album. And um, this song is a little bit um, kind of, like I say, it's a poem because it's a little fragments of memories for me. Um, that, that line about, um, take me back into your corner to the center of the room we made a dance floor, I was charmed to let go. It really reminds me of these like living room dance parties that my family had um, growing up at like a Christmas or any special event or birthday. I had like the, um, my cousins lived next door to me actually at my mom's side. So, um, and my uncle was married to a Swedish woman. So we'd have like these, these dance parties and these great Swedish, uh, spreads of food. And, um, we would, as soon as dinner was done, we would move all the couches and tables everywhere and we would just dance and we would dance all night. And sometimes people would jam. Sometimes people would just play loud music. And I thought this was like normal, what people did with their families. So when I'd go to like a boyfriend's house in adulthood and we'd finish Thanksgiving, I'd be ready to like move the furniture so we could start dancing. Insane, but I'd realized that like I actually came from a very special and unique family that did this. And I think in the middle of um, isolation in the last couple of years of being kind of on my own and so away from my family, I was really just reflecting on um, just the gifts that they had given me in my life and how that actually, even though we were from a distance, that it was still a part of who I was. And then I brought that with me everywhere I went. And that's sort of what the line like reminded me love that it's all connected. Um, it was, it's like a hopeful song. It's, a, it's about longing and about nostalgia of, of your childhood memories, but realizing that the people that you love are with you everywhere you go. You like a lot of people, like a lot of us, I mean, myself included, you know, during the pandemic, are isolated from the people we love. We and, all got and, real nostalgic, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And and you and you sort of channel those memories into this song about about longing. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, a lot of my family has come down to California and been there with me. But uh, I think that uh, what I really realized about uh, one of the ties to my family and to what reminds me of Canada is nature. So I got out a lot. I started walking a lot in California. I started going to the mountains and kind of finding my healing in that time too, during going through some grief and stuff. And it just would remind me of home and my childhood so much. Cause I actually grew up right in front of this little like mountain at my mom's house. So I had like this whole little forest to play in. Um, and so getting in nature was like a really healing part of like getting back into myself, I think. Especially when you live somewhere like LA, which is so sprawling and can be, I mean, I know there's nature parts it's too. a different kind of nature for yeah, sure. it's a very intentional nature yeah like you yeah. have to go to it you have to yeah. find it i'll go on like a hike in los angeles with like you know a friend and they'll be like oh it's so nice i'm like i gotta take you to canada <laughs> and show you what a real hike is like but okay this will do um <laughs> can i can i ask you um i wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh well i like I want to be clear for, for people who would know you from your songs uh, and, and the big song, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and, we'll talk, and, the, and the big records and the big career you've had the past little while. But you're, you're one of the more gifted pop writers of, of, our, of our time. and But I think pop is an interesting genre to write in because I feel like with a lot of genres, if you want to write in metal, it's very clearly defined. You're going to get some variation, you know, black yeah. metal, death metal. But the, the flavors are all going to be very similar. I was similar. just thinking it would be so hard to do 40 years of metal. It would be very... Yeah. 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 But you can do that in pop. Because in pop music, I, f I feel like you can get... How do I put this? You can get hemmed into one style of pop music forever. Yeah. And I feel like on this record, when I listened to it, you were playing with a lot of different genres of pop music. Am I onto something? I, I think that you speak to like a real truth of mine, which is that I, I have no interest in... in um, having to stay a narrow path of pop. I think what excites me about pop is its endless possibilities that it is so undefined, especially 
now. You can kind of have a little like folky pop. You can have some extreme like 90s dance pop. You can you can play around in the genres. And I really wanted to explore that. I wanted this album to feel like it had variety to it because I have variety in myself. I didn't want to feel like confined to like deliver this one thing. I think I, I think especially with like the years of time on my side, I'm like, let's just play now. Let's just play. And I want every album to feel more free to do that. I think. So you were for a while there feeling like, okay, I have a, I have a path that's working for me. I better stick to it. And now you're feeling a little bit more like you can open up. Well, I think when I made kiss, if I'm like looking back on it, um, I think with making kiss, it was such like an excited sugar you rush into LA in like a quick six months to have all this access to these producers. And I had just made my first pop song ever with Call Me Maybe. And they're like, make an album. And I was like, okay. And it was exciting. But I didn't totally know what it was that I loved about pop. And so I was still kind of throwing that all together with my knowledge of folk and like kind of the singer-songwriter background Mm -hmm. that I had. And having access to these incredible producers that were like dream people to work with. Um, So with Emotion, I definitely took a pause. And I asked myself that question of like, what is it that I love about this? What attracts me to it? Because it's not all pop that I like, actually. There's some that I quite don't like dislike, to we're be not, honest. We're not it's say like, any names here. Yeah, no, but it, it 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 causes an extreme reaction. I think that is one of the things that I that I like too, is that um it's like a love hate kind of uh, genre, to be honest. Yeah. And so um you know what I That's mean awesome. by that? Yeah, I it do. Is. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you so, mean. Um, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, it's, which makes it scary, you know? But it's like exciting if you can figure out what that was. So I really loved 80s. So I leaned into 80s so hard with emotion. And that was really fun to, to, to find and such a support to figure out, you know, that heart on your sleeve stuff is like, that's what pop's supposed to be about. I think with Dedicated, I was, I just didn't want to lean on 80s only for forever because I knew that like the 90s had stuff to offer. I knew that I loved the disco. So I was enjoying like, I kind of look at Dedicated as like 70, 80s, 90s and more, like, like kind of playing. But with this, I didn't want it to be so genre specific versus just like kind of a little bit looser of just like, okay, stop like looking at it as a genre base versus just like thematically, what's it about? And that's where I got really excited about this title, The Loneliest Time, and kind of more thinking about the lyrical content. And then trying to find producers who were bringing in different flavors for that. So because I wasn't able to get face to face with a lot of people, one of the like epiphany aha moments I had was like the sense of sleep, but Zoom, but Zoom for writing. And oh my gosh, people who are now going to have so much availability across the world who I know like might not normally have time. I can write them a little love letter. I can see who's down. I mean, I love that. I love the idea that you were very intentional, I think in a really good way. I mean, I don't, what, what do I know? But it sounds like you were intentional, like, okay, I don't want to be hemmed in here. There's seven, I, I want to do this kind of genre-based record. I want to do this kind of genre-based, genre-genre-based. But now you're like, I got kind of something I want to explore yeah. in, in sort of deep, in a deeper part of me. Well, and I think even going into it, I'll be honest, even with songs like Ben's, which is um, a little bit more like journal entry, very yeah. close to to the heart feelings of just the shock of when you find out someone that you love is gone and almost wanting to like, tell me this isn't happening. It sounds cute. Do-do, do-do. That's like, that's like trying to dissociate sort of stuff. 
I didn't think I was writing that and then going to share that with anyone. That was something that surprised even me that when I was bringing it to my family or my bandmates or my, my A&R Carlos, they were like, you've got to, though. This is, this is something that connects that other people will have felt. And, and that's kind of, isn't that the whole point? You were a little scared? I was a little scared. Yeah, I definitely, I still am a little scared. But um, I think that. Why? Um, I always want to be careful because I think there are songs that are, I think that there's like two parts. This is so weird the way I think about this and you're going to think I'm a, a, a crazy person, but I think there's, there's two parts to a song in my mind of how the, when they make it like to the point of delivery. One is that it comes from the heart, that it does really feel yeah. like it's something I felt before that I can imagine and even like fantasize about feeling one of those two things. That's coming from an authentic type of place because I think that's where the, all the spark and magic lies. And I think even more special is when you don't even feel like it's a part of you and like something's kind of being channeled and you're like there to just get it down properly. hundred percent. You know, it's, there's a, you're a vessel. For yeah. It. yeah. Like I you're in the shower and you're like, grab the phone. I'm yeah. going to forget. Yeah. That's the best feeling. But then afterwards, I do think it's really important to me to think like, who is it for? Is that for me? Or is it like something that connects? Because to me, the magic is like what you get to do at the show when it's, you see someone else singing it or you see somebody online, like kind of like making it theirs and it's no longer to do with you. You're kind of have to get out of the way almost. That's like the whole magic. That's the whole point of the whole thing. So if I write a song and I feel it, but I'm playing it for six people and no one's getting it, it doesn't. It doesn't excite me to then be like, well, put it on because I needed you to understand how I felt that on Friday at 6 p.m. Because, you know, that doesn't do it for me. It, it does it for me if both things are feeling like they have potential to work. So that's why I do the listening circles to such an extent with bandmates and stuff to see what's getting the connection. You still don't know what's going to work for the whole world. But at least I know within my circle of safe people, my bandmates who've been with me for 10 years or more, my family members who I trust and my A&R who I really rely on, that um, these are not just songs that were for me that that other people might get them too. A lot of other people, that's for sure. Uh, that was the first part of Tom's conversation with Carly Ray Jepsen. More coming up, but first here's the title track, The Loneliest Time with Rufus Wainwright. I've had one of those bad dreams Where we're standing on your street I quit smoking those That's The Loneliest Time by Carly Rae Jepsen. She's singing there with Rufus Wainwright. Coming up, you'll hear more of Tom Powers' conversation with Carly. They'll talk about that song, you know the one, and how Carly Rae had been hustling since she was seven years old before arriving at the wild success that was Call Me Maybe. Plus, you can hear my conversation with Bells Larson, really intimate, heartfelt, tender singer-songwriter, 
based in Montreal, who is finding his voice and sounding like himself, to himself, maybe for the first time. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. Q is back in a bit. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. So call me maybe. There wasn't a moment where I didn't feel extremely um, aware of my luck in it. You know what I what, mean? Really? Yeah. It's a good song. Well, thank you. But there's a lot of good songs. And this is crazy. Okay, it's definitely not just luck. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're in the middle of Tom's conversation with the musician Carly Rae Jepsen. She's talking about her big hit, which you're hearing right now, and maybe you've heard once or twice before. It's called Call Me Maybe. She wrote it in 2012, and Carly Rae Jepsen says it felt like being struck by lightning. And this song really changed everything for her. It changed her life. And that's where her conversation with Tom Power picks up. You were just talking about making Kiss, the first record, 10 years ago, which is crazy. 10th anniversary of Kiss, right? Yeah. And you put this Instagram thing up and it said, like, uh, 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 the album was the reason I couldn't give up on Los Angeles too fast. Yeah. I, But I think I got it wrong. I think I thought that, I mean, I shouldn't admit this, but I think I thought that you wrote Call Me Maybe in I think you definitely wrote that in BC, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. And then I think I thought that was like a BC record that blow, blew up. But that's it, a re- you, that was an LA record? Okay, so... You're not wrong at all. Um, so Kiss came out before I'd ever moved to Los Angeles. Um, it came out in Canada. Um, and then we got a call from Los Angeles from Justin Bieber's Scooter Bronze and Powers at B to like yeah. come take some meetings. And we were getting like a couple different offers from meetings. And when I first came down, we had like a whole album even that Call Me Maybe was attached to with Ryan Stewart. Never got to see the light of day. Heartbreaking. I'm sorry, Ryan. Does that still exist? It still exists. I mean, everything still exists wow, in, cool. in, in the vaults there. Sure, sure. That, okay, that'll, sure. You know, that'll be dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, and so I came down to Los Angeles, and their idea was to reissue Call Me Maybe again, but now in support with a full album. And I was like, with what album? And they're like, the album that you will write now in four months, if you don't mind. And I, you have to understand, I was so like Alice in Wonderland, Dorothy, and like, you know, I was just sort of like, Yes, girl. I didn't understand that you could say no. It was just like, I was just so happy to be there. But I was like, yes, I can do that. Not understanding that it would mean like not eating, sleeping or like breathing for like the next four months straight as I like traveled everywhere to try to knock out Kiss. And I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that album, but it wasn't like, a full, but it's not how I like to make an album. I like, you see me, I take four years. I like to like really, you know, Cast wrestle away a with it. Of them, yeah. Write 60 songs for a record. I, like I know that about you. Explore in a few different directions, come back and feel solid with it. Wait, yeah. is the call me maybe that I heard on the radio every six minutes? Is that, I'm, I'm, I'm being complimentary, but it's true. And I love the love song. Hate. You see? know, no, see? I don't have any hate for that song. I don't have any hate for well, that song. Speak and for I yourself. Feel like my, <laughs> <laughs> 
joking. We're just I kidding around. It. We're just it. kidding around. So Good song. <laughs> I like the verses. I mean, I think the chorus gets to it gets a lot of love. I think the verses are better. Mm. Um, anyway, thank you. Point being, <laughs> is the version I heard on the radio all the time the was that made in Canada? So there's only one version. So they, you didn't re... So we didn't redo that. Okay. We just like re... Basically, it came out as a single. It was the first single on another album that existed in Canada. And then it took off to such a shocking extent that we were all like, wow, what do we do? And then we signed ourselves over to this major label to get support for it. And okay. they were like, we need some follow-up stuff. I flew to Sweden. I flew to Dallas. I, flew, I was just going everywhere and trying to get it done. And then Kiss came out. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Does it feel like it does it feel like it happened to you? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, it does. It does. Although there are like I think we were mentioning about this earlier before we started the interview. Those little moments or pockets of your life where like it was moving so fast that you almost didn't have time to like fully process or take it all in. It's almost like there's a little backlog of like the computer part of my brain being like, what happened where? Because I'll even have like Jared, my, my keyboard player, sort of mention of like, remember how much radio we were doing back then? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, sometimes you would knock out five radio performances in before noon in a day and then we travel and we do and I was like that seems actually insane to me yeah. but I don't really remember it I just knew I knew a couple of things I was extremely on a high of you have to understand this wasn't like this happened to me because I casually one day went into a studio and made a song called Call Me Maybe I had been hustling since yeah. I was seven yeah like like if you asked me from age seven on what do you want to be I was like a singer yeah I was. I was I mean, asking. You did the, Can I say what you did? Yeah. You, you did the Canadian Idol thing. Yeah, I mean, I you, were, you were. You Idol. were looking. You were. You were trying. You were going for it. I was trying. Yeah. I mean, I can remember on closing night of my high school production of Little Orphan Annie, crying to my parents very dramatically, being like in my small town of Mission, BC, Canada, and the night was over, and I was. I was for seven days in a week. I got to go out and be the star Annie, and I remember crying to my parents and being like, "What if I'm just this child star?" <laughs> They were like, nobody knows who you are. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what if I peaked? <laughs> what if I peaked at yeah. 16 and 80? Like, no. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you were hustling. But I guess, I, yeah, my point is, is this was a passion of mine. I couldn't believe it. So it didn't matter if you had told me to do 14 interviews in one day. It didn't matter. What the ask was, I was happy to be there. The answer was always yes. I was a little workhorse, but I was just like living my actual dream. And you had a hit song like no one gets a hit song. And Probably very, like there'll never be another hit song. And I was, well, I don't know about that, but I was very no, in aware. In history, I don't mean you. I mean, in. I talked to Adele one time. Yeah. She was like, it's kind of over. Like, I feel like I'm the last non-streaming artist because I feel like yeah. everything changed after the, my records came out. And she said, there's never really going to be a hit that has the big you know, massive impact. You don't, I don't want you to talk to that, but what I mean is that yeah. like, comedy maybe got big in a way that it's hard to imagine songs getting big anymore, you know? I, you know, I did feel very, uh, this is what I'm, I'm happy for in like retrospect. There wasn't a moment where I didn't feel extremely um, aware of my luck in it. You know what luck, I mean? Really? Yeah. It's a good song. Well, thank you, but there's a lot of good songs and I, and I knew that. So I was, I felt very struck by lightning. I felt like there was a lot of things going on and um, I, it's good to also understand how much it doesn't matter because 
you know, a good song is a good song. It takes a lot of things lining up and a lot of preparation. When I would go to those interviews and they would be like, oh my gosh, your first song and a big hit, you're like, the amount of things that I had to do to line up to have the opportunity to hear this one. Even on my side, there was a lot going on, but I knew that I wasn't the only person doing that. I was very, very lucky. And so because of that, I think there was no way I was going to say like no to a thing. I was just like hustling in it. But I think that's also why when you pendulum swing sort of that experience versus the luxury that I have now of getting to take my time with an album, getting to really enjoy the process of making an album and put time into why each song is there on an album and to also just take focus away from a song and the beauty and artwork of an album. I know albums are kind of dated ideas, but I'm in love with an an album. You're an album artist to me. Yeah. You are an album artist Oh, thank you. You know? And I think that was hard. Like, I think it's it's easy for someone to be a singles artist. Sorry, I don't think it's easy to I don't think it's easy to be anything. Yeah. But I think you could have been a singles artist. Oh. And I think people get excited about your albums in a way that I don't see many people get excited about albums. Well, that means a lot to me because I definitely I feel like I I put a lot into them. Um, it becomes a little bit of an obsession. It's funny because my brother had a baby this year, and hey, congratulations um, to your brother. Yeah, my brother and his and his wife. I mean, he had. Yeah, you're help. right. Congratulations <laughs> to your brother <laughs> you and, know, his, and his Katie partner. Katie was also involved. Yeah, right. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> but then my sister. It's confusing. He married a woman named Katie. But my sister Katie also had a baby, and we were joking because we were going to do a picture with like them and their two newborns and me with my album. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we all did some work this year, guys. We put in some effort. Well, That's what it feels like. Well, let me ask you this uh, before they they come in and haul you out of here. Um, is uh, when you you go through the period that you went through where you were stopping for a little while, you were mm-hmm. baking or you were you know making tea or you were making ugly scarves. I think you told me. Um, it wasn't just that. It sounds really trivial when it's like, and then I sewed. There were other things going on. <laughs> and you were yes. also me- you know, meeting people and you were making records. Yes. What I mean by that yes. is yes. You, you, if it wasn't for the pandemic, you, you might have never stopped. And once you did stop and once you sort of like came to some comfort with that, yeah. is there anything you're taking from that time with you now? Like, you know what I mean by Loads that? Loads of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think one of the big things is a little bit of a life lesson for me that I'm still learning. So I'm not like a pro in this and I'm not preaching anything. I'm just in the middle of it still. But I think in that time, looking back at to like the Call Me Me Every Year or even the go, go, go pace that I can kind of pick uh, pick up a, into since then. Um, there's this really helpful little trick that I learned of like the switch off button. You might feel this with performing where you're having a terrible day or something's going off or you just had a fight with your dad or something's happened and then you have to go perform. And it's really great if you can press the switch off button and kind of be present and do the thing that you need to do. And it's a really valuable skill to have for me, if I'm going to go and perform or do a thing and I got a lot going on or maybe I feel sick, but I switch off how you feel in your body, switch off, just go do the thing. How do you do that? It's more just an actual like, I can't deal with that right now. I'm going to be on and I'm going to do the thing. And I think that all of us as humans know how to do that yeah. for our work and our job sure, and our days. Sure. And I think... I probably know how to do it to a higher extent because it's been so vital on the regular. And one of the things that I really had time to do was be off. And to be off was so interesting to me how much I had backlogged of stuff that I hadn't dealt with or breakups things I had to go through or different things to kind of, it doesn't go away. It's just like kind of waiting for you, I guess is my point. And so as I move forward in my career, as the pace picks up again, one of the lessons that I've learned is it's good to know when to switch off the button to do the show, even if, you know, you feel a little off or whatever, but to make time in the day, every day 
to switch back into yourself again, to be off. And I don't mean off as in like terrible. I mean like connected to your body, to know what's going on, to know. And so for those things, I've I've really started practicing like things like meditation. I've really started getting into more health about just being aware of like how I'm treating myself and my body, kind of prioritizing that in a different way. And my relationships with my family, like really actively working on them because they do take work, especially if you live from a distance. So these sound like trivial things, but they're life-changing things for me. And um, it's changed the way I even look at like making sure I'm tapped into like the joy of my job because it's one thing to do the thing and feel like you're doing it and like you get a thing done even like a show and you're just like relieved that it didn't go bad instead of being like joyful that it went well and I really am trying to tap into that more and more you know that's beautiful and it's not trivial it's all life is that's, yeah that's that's as Bob Dylan said it's life and life only that's uh that's beautiful Carson. thanks <laughs> really really nice talking to you lovely talking I love to you having always. you in here I love talking to you always Those two sound like old friends. That's Carly Rae Jepsen uh, and Tom Power. And it's cool to hear that it is hard work to make music that doesn't sound like hard work, right? It's like spending a lot of time getting ready to look like you didn't spend any time getting ready. Carly Rae Jepsen has a new album called The Loveliest Time coming out on July 28th. On her Instagram, she said, uh, it's time for celebration and for all the lessons we've learned to burst into joyful action. I feel ready for that. Ready for joyful action. Let's hear some more of that first single you might have caught back at the beginning of this chat. This is Carly Rae Jepsen with Shy Boy. Drinking, so I say what I'm thinking. How come everybody's dancing but you? A deep conversation, last minute invitation. Yeah, I'm gonna make this easy for you. But it's like this put you on the list. Come downtown if you're around. Can't help but dance to that one. That is Shy Boy by Carly Rae Jepsen. Before that, you heard Tom Powers' conversation with Carly Rae Jepsen on Q. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. If you scroll through the TikTok page of the singer Bells Larson, you'll hear a lot of songs in progress from his bedroom in Montreal. You're on the south side of Blue Street with the red backpack Dragging your feet, you walk the same way you did six months ago since we last spoke, I think I've grown, it's so hard to tell I am alone, the maritime sky has been my only friend You can hear how raw these videos are and how sincere the delivery is. That approach has earned Bells a lot of loyal fans, and that only grew when he released his first full-length album called Good Grief. He's getting ready to release a follow-up. It's called If I Was, I Am. It's an EP that'll come out later this month. It has the same tender lyrics and indie sensibilities, but it's also Bell's first album since transitioning. I spoke to Bell's Larson from their home in Montreal about making new music and getting used to singing in a newer, deeper voice. Welcome to Q, Bells. Thank you so much for having me, Tally. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you. I loved listening to this EP. It is it's gorgeous and it's it's small and I mean that as a huge compliment. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah, I totally know what you mean. I think it's uh, like myself. I'm I'm a short king. I'm small, but I like to think that it's like a lot of good stuff in a small package, you know? It's so inviting. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. Like it takes you into those those, those tiny moments. It puts you in it puts you in a world that's very intimate. Um, and oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So just last year, you put out your debut album called Good Grief, uh, which was also a beautiful record. It was about healing from loss. So tell me a bit about where your head's at now, writing on this new EP. What, where do you find your your focus as a songwriter? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of all over the place. And I mean, I'm someone who really loves a concept project, a concept record. I think it's really cool to write within limitations. Andy Schaff is a huge influence of mine for that reason. I, I love the thought of creating, whether it's a sonic universe or a lyrical universe. So Good Grief was definitely that. I uh, was writing primarily about the loss of my first love. And that was a very cathartic thing to not only write, but also release into the world. It kind of closed a chapter, I suppose. And obviously a lot has happened in my life since then, personally, um, professionally, gender-wise, of course. I think the impetus for putting out this EP and recording it was to reintroduce myself with this new lower voice and also sing about what's going on in my life and and you know good grief as i said is very much about loss and this ep is is more so about loving and being loved as a trans person i want to talk a bit more about your storytelling i mean you mentioned andy schaff as a as a songwriting i guess influence or or connection and he's such an amazing storyteller Mm-hmm. And storytelling is a huge part of your art. And I mean, if people see mm-hmm. you on TikTok, even just the way you're speaking right now. So where where does that impulse come from? Have you always been a natural storyteller? I think so. My dad is a children's author uh, based in Toronto. Oh, wow. And yeah, so uh, storytelling was very much around me growing up. Uh, it, it felt like a, a natural way to connect with those around me, to connect with my dad, Um I, I'm a big storyteller in in the day to day. Like uh, I I prefer the long route rather than the the short one, you know. So uh, in in terms of my music, for a host of reasons, my voice has always taken a backseat in my practice. It's only recently since it's been dropping and changing that I've really had to center it and consider it the main instrument. But before second puberty and everything like that, it was very much my storytelling my guitar but mainly my storytelling that i put in the uh the driver's seat i suppose can you clarify what you mean by second puberty yes uh i am on testosterone okay i am uh i'm I'm going through my second puberty going through uh hormone replacement therapy so uh you know voice getting lower uh a little mustache things like that tell me what it's been like to find your voice in a lower register i mean you're 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 a singer yeah, it's been amazing. It's been really, really, really amazing. And I feel so fortunate that I've had access to things that have helped me through this process, namely the help of a wonderful voice teacher um, who has helped me find my new register and ease into this. And, you know, honestly, whether it was people in my family or people in the music industry, I had a lot of people discouraging me from considering testosterone as a thing to do because of my voice. And yeah, I, I felt really scared. I, I didn't want to lose my voice altogether. I would rather have had a voice that I was slightly discomfort- uh, slightly uncomfortable with rather than no voice at all. But uh, it's been so wonderful hearing myself 
sing whether it's my new songs or the old songs that I'm reworking and just thinking like oh my god finally like I'm I love the comparisons to Phoebe Bridgers and Soccer Mommy and Julian Breaker and all that stuff but you know being compared to Elliot Smith and Nick Drake like that's that's really where it's at for me. (laughs) Yeah. I I wasn't you said it before I did but I heard Elliot Smith like the first time I listened to this EP I was like oh wow this is this is evoking that spirit in such a in such a good way and so you've got this you've got this uh, different instrument at your fingertips you've got your guitar you've got your songwriting and we're going to talk about one of the tunes from the album called Ten Hands um, which you've called a song about being seen can you tell me more about that yeah Ten Hands was one of the jumping off points. Post Good Grief, it was post voice like properly dropping. And it felt like a really good starting point for me in my musical journey, uh, writing about being in love and and loving, uh, not in a past tense kind of way, not in a we were in love and then this person died kind of way, but like a, a, a very present, wow, I am very loved as I, you know, sort of say in the song, not despite who I am, but because of who I am. Yeah, we see that love in the music video for the song, which is so touching mm-hmm. and which was a sneak attack cry for me. I was like, oh, thank my, you. Our producer warned, warned me and then I was watching it and I was like, I got this. And then halfway through, I was like, I don't got this. I don't got this. It's so tender. Can you describe it for people? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have been documenting my transition with a really old like very heavy VHSC camera so I have about I guess yeah now a year and a half worth of these old tapes and I've only recently gotten them all digitized for a project that will be coming later down the line but I thought uh, it might be nice since the song is very much about queer love to incorporate some of those tapes and uh there is some cool stuff that my roommate and i did with projection on the wall of our living room there's some uh of me actually taking my testosterone and my partner who is accompanying me in a lot of that yeah your partner who's very like tenderly sort of being part of this journey with you i think that's yeah that's the part that got me it's beautiful um they're the best (laughs) <laughs> they seem pretty, pretty, pretty loving. Um, yeah. Before we hear this song, is there anything that you have learned by going through this journey that you're that you're on now that's continuing to unfold just about what what it means to be loved and to let yourself be loved? Any anything you want to share that you've learned? Oh, about gosh. That? And it's a big question, but I think, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm 25 and in some ways that feels very young and in some ways that feels very old in the sense that I lived a lot of my life feeling like I had to choose between loving and being loved and living as my true self. It's been very much because of the love that I've received in the last two and a bit years of course, my partner Noah, and also my wonderful community of friends, my very amazing family for whom I am I'm so grateful, that has taught me that, that you, you don't need to choose and you, you shouldn't choose. You can very much be yourself and you can very much be loved because of it. And I, you know, I, I write from the POV of a queer trans guy. 
So I hope that my music resonates with queer and trans folks, but I also hope that this song and the CP and my music can resonate with uh, everybody, regardless of their walk of life, because being loved because of who you are and not despite of it and going through big changes and transitions, I, I think that that's a universal life experience. Beautifully said. Should we listen to the song now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this is Bells Larson with a song from his upcoming EP called If I Was, I Am. The song's called Ten Hands. Thanks so much for being here, Bells. Thank you so much for having me. with 10 hands you can find that song on his ep if i was i am which comes out on july 28th on next door records and just like we chatted about if you're in the mood for a good cry you go watch that video just don't say i didn't warn you okay and that's it for q today tomorrow on the show you will hear from singer rapper Sean Paul, uh, two decades on from his global smash album, Duddy Rock. He will take you on a musical journey through some of his biggest hits and also his latest release called Scorcha. I'm Talia Schlanger sitting in for Tom Power. I'll see you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.